0: The following message is from Narrative Church, a Lutheran church located in Williamson County, Texas. For more information, go to www.narrative.church. So today we're talking about Christmas trees. And we all kind of have our own idea of what a Christmas tree is looks like and I don't just mean it's a green tree in the room right like we all kind of have what does our Christmas tree look like when I was a kid we would go out to a local farm and we would cut down a tree and we did that for a long time and then as soon as all the kids graduated high school I think my dad was out the door to Home Depot to buy the artificial tree was it later than that Matt I just said all the kids were out the door Yeah, you moved back home. So I say that I moved back for a full year. So there's no shame. Um, So after Matthew graduated college, dad switched to an artificial tree. But growing up for us, it was the tree in the central room and we would all decorate it. And it would have a variety of gifted ornaments we'd been uh, given by aunts and uncles and family and friends. It would have the stuff that we had made, I think, My mom's Christmas tree still has a little clothespin angel that I made in preschool. I don't know how she's preserved that over the years, but there it is. Um, And maybe you're a family that you say, well, yeah, we do it, but we have a theme. So we do, you know, we went and bought all the right colors and so it all matches up. So we have a, a themed Christmas tree. Maybe you're a family that you have multiple Christmas trees. For me, that's too much work. I love my one Christmas tree. But if you're a multiple tree family, kudos to you. I love it. I'm not going to do it. But we all have kind of this history of this Christmas tree idea. And even if maybe you don't have a history of it, you've been in a shopping mall. Remember those shopping malls? You know, when they were set up for Christmas and they'd have the big tall Christmas trees. Maybe some of you have been to Rockefeller Center or Washington, D.C. over the holidays when they have the huge trees. And what's interesting is as you dive into it, and as we talk about Christmas trees, uh, um, we can get an interesting history. Because the history of Christmas trees, a lot of times people, especially outside of the church, will say, oh, well, this is an old pagan practice. You know, this was something that even the Egyptians would do, that when they worshiped the sun god Ra, When the winter solstice would end, they would come and they would bring green branches in showing that he got over his sickness that had hidden him through the winter. And I thought, wow, I'm sure glad my God doesn't get sick. But there's these traditions throughout history. There's what's called Saturnalia out of the Roman Empire, which was, again, a solstice celebration and there were evergreens involved. You get into some of the Germanic tribes you get that as well. So I was looking at this history of the Christmas tree this week, which is just a weird ride as you go on the internet. But considering over and over, as I looked it up, what we as Christians know as the modern idea of a Christmas tree was given to us by someone very special. Martin Luther. So Martin Luther... The, the story goes, he went out on a hike or was walking home through the evergreen trees of his area of Germany and looked up at how beautiful the night sky was through the trees. And he wanted to do something special for his kids for Christmas. So he cut down a tree and brought it inside. And they started celebrating Christmas that way. And then Martin Luther, with his influence In the Reformation church, it kind of started catching on and other people started doing it. Until that whole region of Germany, it had become a Christmas tradition that you would bring an evergreen tree into your home to celebrate Christmas. Now, Christmas trees as we know it, as they have come now to the United States, is actually another really fascinating story. So it came in the late 1800s, mid to late 1800s, and it was in a a monthly magazine called Gaddy's Lady's Book. And in Gaddy's Lady's Book at one point was this picture. And this is Queen Victoria and Albert decorating their Christmas tree in the palace in London. Now, Queen Victoria and her husband Albert both Come from Germanic lines. And so they came from this German line where Christmas trees were decorated. Well, this comes over to the US through this cutout, and a bunch of people are seeing it and reading it and going, Well, if it's good enough for the Queen, it's good enough for me. So literally, 1850s Instagram gave us the Christmas tree. Queen Victoria, here is an influencer. That when that happened, it came to the US and more and more and more people started doing it, that it started reaching outside of just Germanic heritage into the everyday idea of what it means to celebrate Christmas. And a Christmas tree is such an interesting thing. Whether it's real, whether it's fake, whatever ornaments you put on it, whatever lights you do, it is a tree that even if it's real, you bring in your house to let die. Right? I still remember someone's chore rotation when we were kids was someone had to go water the tree. Dad had built a box that he had wrapped to hide this little contraption that he had bought that was like it fit on a milk jug and then one, one end of a tube went into the milk jug, the other went into the basin of the tree and some kind of magic suction happened and Bob's your uncle, you have a um, watered Christmas tree. Also, Bob's your uncle, never using that again, but there it was. But that was part of it. The whole point was to keep the Christmas tree green until you threw it out on the side of the road. Or if you grew up in the country, you had a bonfire. You know, we, I look at our tree that we bought when we first got married in 2010, our first Christmas at Walmart, in St. Louis, Missouri, and it was the one that two seminarians could afford at Walmart in 2010. And every year we go, listen, we'll go to the after Christmas sale. We'll get a real tree now. We still have the Walmart Christmas tree from 2010, but we put it up and we celebrate in the daring household, we celebrate the 12 days of Christmas. So we go into January, and it's not because we're lazy. It's because we celebrate the 12 days of Christmas. You decide. But for me, there's something I really, truly enjoy waking up a little bit earlier while it's still dark outside, turning on the Christmas tree, making a cup of coffee, and sitting and doing some morning devotions, and the only lights on in the house are the Christmas tree lights. There's something... Again, like we talked about Christmas lights last week, there's something about the tree and the ornaments and the memories that go into it. And it's a little bit, I don't want to use the phrase Christmas spirit-like, but it's a little Christmas spirit-like, right? Like there's something about it. But as we look at the tree, it actually gives us some cool opportunities to be reminded over and again the purpose for this season, that as Christmas is coming, that we get a chance to celebrate that fact. And when we look at a tree, we can be reminded of a few factors. Now, first off, we've got some great reminders from Martin Luther. Um, So as Martin Luther would share with his kids, Chelsea, can I get that picture? There's supposed to be a laugh there. There it is. Thank you. Um, So as Luther took it, he brought it into his kids, and what he shared with them is that the evergreen tree was there in the bleakest moment of the winter. Now, snow can be pretty, but anyone who's shoveled snow knows that snow is pretty for about two minutes. And then you have to remove snow. And then you have to deal with snow. And by the way, what snow is... It's frozen water, so it gets everywhere, and it's cold, and if you love snow, I get it. My mom was born in Minnesota, and for her, every Christmas, she mourns that it's not a white Christmas, but there's something bleak even about the beauty of snow, that it kind of has erased everything in this white coat, and so Luther says, you know, in this bleakest moment of the winter, here's this tree that is evergreen, just like at Christmas, in our bleakest moment, here's this evergreen love of God that comes for us in the baby in the manger. He also talks about how the gift of faith that we receive from this child is evergreen even in our sorrow that the lights, and as you saw in the picture of Albert and Victoria, they used to light candles on the tree, which I had one grandparent, great-grandparent burn a house down because they forgot to blow out one candle. But you know, even then they were lighting the candles on the tree. The light of the world shines through that evergreen moment that Luther connected it back to his seeing the stars shine through the trees, that God is ever faithful. And we see the brightest moments. And also the the beauty of it we see from our reading in Lamentations today. Isn't that interesting? Let's talk about Christmas trees. Let's read from Lamentations. But I love this this phrase from these verses in Lamentations. Um, The love of the Lord never ceases. It never comes to an end. It's new every morning. We sang a song in church growing up that used those words and would end with, great is your faithfulness. And the word there, it's a Hebrew word I share. Every time we come across it is this idea of kesed. And kesed there is that steadfast love, this love that is only connected to God's love for us. That, that evergreen love Love is a gift given to us over and over and over again. So when we look at the Christmas tree, not only do we remember that the, the evergreen love of God is sent for us, that it gives us an evergreen faith, but that God stood by those promises with this kessid, this deep love that he had for us. And even then, it goes a little bit further that when we look at the Christmas tree and think, of the evergreen, we look and we say, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Those words from the book of Hebrews. The world seems to be changing at a non-stop rate, but even those words in Hebrews, that it felt the same way that the world was changing so quickly. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, forever. And so we rejoice. When we look at a Christmas tree, we are reminded over and over and over again of that evergreen love, that evergreen faith, and an evergreen Savior who never changes. And then we get a little bit of an interesting thing here because my guess is Luther probably knew a little bit of this history of the evergreen tree, of why it was brought in to homes in the past, especially living in Germany, how this equinox solstice was celebrated. And so people go, well, you know, Luther might have gotten it from the pagans. And I'm like, okay, great. You want to know who else did that? Paul. He stands on the Areopagus on what's today known as Mars Hill. And he looks and he says, listen, you have all these altars and this is in Athens. And the, the, the people of Athens really want to make sure they've taken care of everything. So they put up an altar to the unknown God. They say, listen, we, we've got an altar for every God, but maybe there's one out there that we've missed. We don't want them mad at us. So we'll even put sacrifices on this altar to the unknown God. And what Paul does is he goes, listen, you see that altar you've got there? Let me proclaim to you this unknown God and who he is. And so he takes this idea that they had, that they knew that was part of their religion. And he said, I understand what you are thinking, but let me explain to you who this unknown God is. And from that place, he then proclaims who Jesus is and what he's done. And there's a crowd, and Acts will tell us some of them leave, but some of them stay. They go, we want to hear more about this unknown God. You see, our God's in the business of redeeming things. He's in the business of taking things that people have changed and twisted and saying, listen, this is what it's about. So if someone starts arguing with you or giving you guff about saying, well, you know where Christmas trees are really from? You can go, yeah, solstice celebrations, all those things. But you know, when I look at a Christmas tree, this is what I see. I see an evergreen God who is faithful in his love for me. I see the promise of a Savior who would be born for me. and that he is redeeming the world. So even a pagan tradition of bringing a Christmas tree or bringing a tree in to to celebrate that end of the winter, we can look at and say, yeah, but we use that to celebrate the beginning of the Savior. We don't have to be scared. We can look and we can say, yeah, it's a tree. You know who created the trees? Let me tell you about them. You know what this tree stands for in our household? Let me tell you about it. We have this opportunity to say, yeah, if someone else used it before, that's great. It's a great idea. I love this idea of them celebrating the end of winter, that that solstice that's the, the, the center point that means the end is coming. Well, we as Christians, we look and we say, listen, there was a time where everything was perfect and then that fell through And the Lord promised he would send a savior. Well, that middle point of our bleak winter of fallen people and sin, that middle point is when the savior comes. He is born for us. And from there, our hope comes along. So we celebrate his coming because he came for us and we know he is coming again. And so we bring in evergreen trees to celebrate what he has done and is doing for us. And there's so much joy, whether it is the perfectly manicured Christmas tree that's going into Southern Living's Christmas special, or it's the one that you let the kids decorate and all the ornaments are on one quarter of the tree. What makes a Christmas tree special, the reason we set it up, the reason we decorate, the reason we get excited is because we say, listen, God gives us things for our joy. And so here's this simple image of joy that reminds us of who he is. That as we hang ornaments, not only do we remind, be reminded of that evergreen goodness for us, but as we hang those ornaments, we remember the people who gave us those ornaments. We remember Who made them? We remember the little memories that come with them. If you're decorating a tree just solely for the purpose of decorating, it's the joy of saying, Listen, God makes beautiful things, and here I am making a beautiful thing. I think it's out on 360 you can drive that people go out and decorate. Is it the cedars out there along 360? Listen, some of them are rough. Like, you know, someone showed up and said, well, mom said I had to do this, but it's still got streamers and, you know, confetti and some fun stuff on it. And every once in a while, I like driving past that to see, here's just a little bit of fun. And whatever their intention was of decorating this tree, I know what that tree means for me. That it's not, it's not like something scriptural where, you know, the 11th commandment was God was like, and thou shalt decorate a Christmas tree, right? No, if you don't, that's fine. But it's something that we use and we can say, hey, this decoration actually has some purpose and intention behind it. That even as we just have fun with it, even as we just find joy in the decoration and the decorating, there's a deeper meaning of that reminder for us. So if you've already set up your Christmas tree, great job. If you're going to be doing it soon, awesome. But as you do it, remember this. The steadfast love, the kessid of the Lord for you is unfailing and evergreen. The Savior who comes gives you a faith that is restored and evergreen, not because of you, but because of him and what he's done for you. And share the story of the Christmas tree. Share what God has done and say, hey, listen, this is a foolish thing. It's like leaving a sticky note on the refrigerator to remind yourself of something, putting it in your phone so it buzzes and tells you, don't forget to do this. We set up Christmas trees for the joy and the fun, but also as that little reminder during the Christmas season to say, the Christ child comes for me. Let's pray. Lord, we give you thanks for silly things like evergreen trees, for homemade ornaments, for lights that twinkle Lord, for decorating together. We ask that as we experience Christmas trees this year, Lord, be they ours, be they ones we see out in public or our friends or family members, we'd be reminded of your deep love for us that never changes, that never ends, just like the evergreen tree. We pray this all in your son, Jesus' name, amen.